Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, uh, and apparently you got my singing voice today. I'm so grateful that you're here. This podcast is perfect for you if you're a woman business owner who is constantly striving to create her business a little bit better and a little bit more in line with what your lifestyle is really like. And you want to hear and learn from other women entrepreneurs who've done some really incredible things and continue to do some really great, incredible things throughout their business journey to learn some tips and tricks and strategies, and ultimately to help you feel connected to an entire world of women entrepreneurs who are making their own businesses, their own versions of success. I'm so, so happy that you're here. Before we get into today's interview, I want to make sure that you know about She Podcast Live. Are you going? If you currently are a podcaster or you're thinking about starting your podcast because you know at this point that it is in line with a great marketing strategy for you, or you just are sort of dabbling with the idea, or you just really want to be around a lot of amazing women content creators, you have to be there. Go to ShePodcastLive.com and go check out all the details. It is coming up just around the corner, October 10th through 13th in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so, so humbled to be a keynote presenter there, and I would love to see you. I would love to hug you in person. Please come. It's going to be amazing. ShePodcastLive.com. I'm talking about She Podcast Live because today's guest is a fellow podcaster, and she has such a compelling story. Within her first year of launching her podcast, Mind Love, Melissa Monty had one million downloads. One million. Holy cow, that's a lot. This is not the norm, and neither is she, which I am convinced is exactly why she has had such success. During our conversation, Melissa walks us through how she started, launched, and grew her podcast by thinking outside the box. First, she got clear about who she was, her passions, and her gifts, a step that we can easily skip over because it requires us to stop and do the internal work. When she did, she went through Pat Flynn's podcasting course, which gave her the practical steps on how to launch a podcast. But Melissa's differentiated herself by practicing creative thinking. She bounced ideas off of others. She created content that was a little different than what was out there. She gave herself a launch date and made an event out of it, which gave her accountability to actually take action. And she tried many things along the way that gave her visibility, always looking at her metrics so she was strategic about her next moves. There is so much value in this episode, and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. And remember... This episode, whether you are a podcaster or not, is such a great case study for thinking differently and not always going by the traditional blueprint of success. Now let's get into our conversation with Melissa. Melissa, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Katie. I'm like <laughs> bubbling up with joy. Fellow podcaster, we're going to talk podcast strategy. It's just all the good stuff. I want to start at the heart of what every woman listening who might be considering a podcast to support her business or is just interested in a podcast maybe to fulfill you know, just something fun for her to do or currently is a podcaster. Why did you start a podcast? What was your why? It took me a while to get there, but 
I have to be basically punched in the face from all angles for me to really get something. (laughs) So I had been working with a company, a startup, and I was giving a lot of effort because you wear a lot of hats when you're working for a startup. You do marketing and press and website handling and dealing with the stress of the whole thing. And so I had been doing that for a really long time. I was the only person, the only woman in the company because I was the only person who could handle <laughs> the CEO. He was Thank you. <laughs> and by handle, I mean I was still freaking out and it was kind of my life on the other side. So I I finally got to the point where I thought I need something else in my life if I'm going to survive this. So I didn't quit right away and start the podcast. I started to dive into what my passions were and I went back to those cheesy activities of like finding my purpose because I was sick of always grasping at the next opportunity and getting halfway in and then feeling like this doesn't fulfill me either. Mm-hmm. And I had read a lot of you know self-development books and followed a lot of podcasts and finding passion, but I had never actually taken the time to do the activities, write down the journaling prompts that they said about when were you your happiest? What do you love to do? What would your ideal day be? And so I went back and it was that, that like dark night of the soul type moment where I thought, okay, fine, I'll do all the cheesy activities. I can't just do it in my head and think that it's somehow resonating with me. I will actually do the work. And when I started to do that, I saw a ton of different patterns that I didn't really see in my life before. I saw that all of these things that I've been working to really help myself were my actual passion. And I thought of them as a distraction when I was trying to do marketing or work in a startup. But when I was really looking at, this is what I love to spend my time on. I love to figure out how to help people. I love to figure out how I can empower myself in my own life. And so that merged the idea of, I want to help people take control of their lives, live more intentionally, work on their mental fitness, if you want to call it that. Mm. And I got the idea of the podcast though, because then I started to look at my strengths. I realized, well, what holds me back when I thought about starting a YouTube channel? It's really... I can talk myself out of being on camera at any given moment. I don't like to put makeup on and get all ready every day. I don't have the perfect backdrop with the beautiful white couches and all the rose gold accessories. And then when it came to writing, I could overthink it and I wanted all the words to be perfect. But when I spoke, it would just come out more freely. I've already gotten comments on the way my voice sounds. And so it was just looking at these little angles in all the areas of my life, my passions, my strengths, what I love to do. And it led me right to podcasting. And at that, about two days later, I got an email from the first podcast I started listening to about business was Pat Flynn's. Mm. And all of a sudden, he sends out an email saying he's launching a podcasting course for the first time. And I was like, I am in. You're like, hello, universe. Okay, I'll take that message. Thank you very much. (laughs) You know what, Melissa? I'm so grateful that you're giving voice to actually taking the time to do what I call that foundational inner work. Because I feel like a lot of times we feel like we can just glaze over that and we just keep, we stay in motion. And I think that work, when you stop and really ask yourself some of those foundational questions that seem so, as you say, cheesy that's kind of the work, you know, like that's really, why do you want to continue if you don't know the answers to some of those foundational questions? I'll, I'll give this quick metaphor. 
I went to the doctor yesterday and I had him look at my knee. I hurt my knee a couple of weeks ago and it just hasn't really been healing. And and he <laughs> he said, Hey, from what you're saying, it could be that you tore, you know, have a slight tear in your meniscus. And he's like, Katie, I know how active you are. Instead of like wasting a bunch of time to like go do physical therapy and try this thing over here and try this thing over there, just go get the MRI done so you know what it is so you can get on with doing the work that needs to be done to heal it. And that's what I consider this type of work. Like go in, take a real deep MRI, look at what your true passions are and what your true likes are and what your true strengths are so that you can come up with a, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I would love to do. And this is how I can do it. So I really appreciate you giving voice to that. Yeah, it's how you get clarity. I mean, you could have sat there and made all these hypotheses about what was wrong with your meniscus or <laughs> whatever's going on, you know? But then you wouldn't feel fully confident in the steps that you're taking forward. But if you have a little bit of insight, you might not know it all right away, but just that little bit of insight gives you an extra boost and you can go in a little bit more full in your energy and, and confident that what you're doing is the right thing for you. So did the idea of the Mind Love podcast... like, Did you already know what the concept was going to be? Did you already know what it was going to be about? Did you already know the structure of it? Or is that what Pat's course really helped you define? It was kind of going back and forth. Uh, It was through my own work. And Pat's course really gave me the clarity on how to start a podcast. It gave me a framework so that I wasn't getting sucked into the Google searches the whole time and finding conflicting information about what the next step was. And because I had that framework, it allowed me the time and the space to get more clarity on what my topic was going to be. So when I first wanted to start, I am very passionate about really anything in human optimization. And I am vegan. I live a very holistic lifestyle. So at first before I even thought of the name of my podcast, I thought it was going to be... I had different ideas of maybe Better Human or the Do Good podcast, different ideas like that. And I thought at first that it might be each one gives little health tips. But once I started, I laid out a few episodes and I started writing down about 20 episode ideas, about 20 guest ideas, You know, really getting the feel for what it would be like when I'm further into the podcast. And those ideas really helped because I realized that after about the seventh idea, I didn't want to talk about that anymore. (laughs) And all it took was a spreadsheet instead of getting to episode seven and actually recording it and having to pivot from there. So laying out as much as you can, just brain dumping can give you that a little bit more clarity there. What I started to realize is that in addition to these holistic things, yeah, that might be a part of it. But what I like is a little bit broader. I started to look back at what are the last 20 books that I read? What were the last few conversations I had? And a lot of it was about shifting the mindset. And that encompassed you know, shifting your mindset to putting more good out into the world, to treating your body better, to using non-toxic things. Those are part of it. Those are episodes, but they're not the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So it It does really help to lay out as much information about ideas that you think of or that really excite you and see if by the time you get to 15, 20, 25, if these ideas are still exciting you or if you're already bored of your own concept. I love that. I just love that you're giving so much voice to like actual 
planning before you do anything. And I'm not, believe me, I am a big proponent of imperfect action, but imperfect action without deliberate thought and intention behind it is a waste of time. And I think a lot of times, many of us can get stuck in just moving forward, moving forward. I have this idea, go. Like, you you know, we hear of the shiny bright object syndrome and it's like, okay, like next idea, just keep moving on it. Go, 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 go. And you can get into... <laughs> the investment of both time and money into something like a podcast and not realize it's not exactly on. So I love that you're talking about doing the work to come up with the very intentional and very purposeful strategy behind it. So now you you know you start going into it, you're coming up with exactly what what this is all about. You're really excavating your topic and your intention and your purpose of the podcast. So once you were clear on that, Talk about what you did from there to be very strategic about launching. Like what what actually went into launching your podcast once you knew, okay, this is what it is. This is what it's going to be called. This is what it's going to be about. Now, what did you do? And I, I want to be very clear. I'm saying this because someone who wants to start a podcast or maybe somebody who already has a podcast who's listening right now might have one and they're just thinking like, oh, I just need to, I just need to get it out there. And so I just need to get out. And so I want to dig into your mind about how you planned it getting out into the world. Well, there's a few things I want to touch on with this, given that I think especially with podcasting or really any online business or any business at all, it's so easy to get caught in those modes of indecision and sitting there wondering, oh my gosh, is this the next right step? Is this the right name? Is the domain name available? Do I have all the social media handles? When in reality, those things aren't as important as you think they are. Mm -hmm. And so it was really helpful for me when I took Pat Flynn's course. It was an online course, but he had an option of doing an in-person event too. And it was just two days. Well, I had already gone through the online course and I kind of knew a lot of things about starting the podcast. I don't think I necessarily needed to go into an in-person training and spend the extra money, but I thought it would be a good business move. And so the reason that for that is, is because I was able to get feedback. You don't need to go to an in-person podcasting course, but who else do you know that started a business, started a podcast that you can just bounce ideas off of? Because... Sometimes just hearing the words back to you or hearing somebody say, that's a good idea or that's a good name is enough to kind of wipe out that spiral that you're stuck in in your head. (laughs) So find somebody that you can talk it out with. Because I think especially with podcasting, it's a very personal medium. You're sharing your soul. you're, You're speaking in your voice. People can hear you and that connects on another emotional level. And so what I've found with the people that I've talked to either starting a podcast or they've stopped themselves from starting a podcast, they do get really fearful of being that vulnerable. And so what I like to do when I have something that's fearful coming up or that I might talk myself out of is lay out deadlines and dates. So that was my first step. I chose a launch date and I stuck with it. I did end up having to push back one week because of some family thing that came up. But overall, I was committed to that deadline. If you don't have a deadline with anything, I'm sure you businesswomen out there know, it's really easy to put it off indefinitely. 
that allowed me to start focusing on my next strategy. So some of the things that I did once I got the tech stuff out of the way, you know, having that course was so helpful because again, I didn't get stuck in the Google rabbit hole. I didn't get so overwhelmed with conflicting information. The reason there's usually conflicting information is because there's not always one way to do something, which means that either one you choose will probably work. So just pick the one that sounds like the most fun or that calls to you or that you're most excited about or that you understand the most, whatever it takes to build that momentum within you. When I launched, I made that launch date an event. I created a Facebook event. I let people know I was counting down to my social people. There's not that many people. Not that many of them are even my audience when I'm just launching on Facebook. I had no audience anywhere else. No email list. Not an engaged following. I wasn't super active on social media. So then all of a sudden, I'm out there. And the people that know that I'm launching are the people close to me and my friends. None of those people were really network people either. They were actually party friends from my past. So (laughs) the thing is, is that this helped build the momentum in me and the excitement in me. It made my launch date a date instead of all of a sudden getting there and feeling kind of ashamed because I had no idea who I was launching to. So even if you're only getting like maybe 50 listens that first day or a hundred people that are kind of curious about this girl they used to go to college with and what's she doing now? Last time I saw her, she was drunk. (laughs) It still shows an uptick in your stats and it helps get excited about the next step and you can build from there. Yeah. I did a, a lot of other things after it launched, but I'll keep it to, to that in case you're out the question. <laughs> well, so I want to move there because it's worth stating at this point, and I talked about this in the introduction, but within your first year of your podcast, you had 1 million downloads in your first year of podcasting. That is not normal. (laughs) And so that's why I really want to dig into the strategy that went into... And I'm kind of moving chronologically through it very deliberately because I want to see what had to happen on the foundational level in order to even come up with a launch date and in order to move yourself through all of those steps and tasks that had to get done in order for you to launch. So, So now that you launched, now that you made this event out of launching, now that you got it out there into the ether... What did you do next? What did you do very deliberately to make sure you were spreading the word? So I know a lot of people's advice is to just launch and you're going to suck at first. And that is definitely one method of doing it. For me, this was kind of a way I got to feed and get over my perfectionism a little bit. I really, really heavily edited the first episodes. There's a few reasons that I'm going to tell you basically my outside-the-box thinking launch strategy. So in the beginning, I was not a good speaker. I did not have stage speaking experience. I did not have interview experience. I was terrified on my first interview. And so then I thought, well, how am I going to get really excited about sharing this with everybody I know and saying, this is the best it can be if I don't fully believe it's the best I can be and I'm just shipping it. Mm. So it's this fine balance of being okay that things are not going to be perfect and also seeing where you can add your own flair to know that even with the imperfections, there's an extra amount of value here. So be really clear on what value your podcast is bringing. Again, journal it out. Say, what does mine bring that other people's don't? What does my value bring that other people don't? And when I realized in the very beginning that I was getting guests also, because when you're pitching to people that are like, 
well, I have nothing to show for my past success. This is my first podcast. I have no online presence. And the podcast is not launched yet. Will you spend an hour with me? (laughs) Not everyone wants to say yes. So in the beginning, I didn't get the guests that had the best speaking ability. I was getting guests in my life that were already adding value to my life. With a lot of those people that don't have interview experience they tend to ramble or they get off track or they forget what we're talking about. So I edited it to not only make the podcast sound good, but to make the guests sound really good. Sometimes these smaller people are your biggest sharers. They are willing to share it out because this is the first interview they've done. They've never had this online presence. And so if you make them sound really good on your show, they're going to be stoked about it. And that's going to be something... Some of my early guests still share the episode every few months because they're so proud of it. Mm. So think about how you can make your guests sound really on point. Spend the extra time editing out the times they said said a long um and said, I forgot what we were talking about. I even went to the extremes of you know, when they'd get out of order, I'd kind of rearrange some of the things that they said. So it sounded more like a smooth flow. Right. Those things are really important. Another thing that I did was I thought to myself, I want to think outside the box because iTunes hasn't updated new and noteworthy in over a year and a half at that time. I know that they're kind of getting on their stuff a little bit more these days, but at that time, it was impossible to get into new and noteworthy. So I thought where else can I be featured? I did a search on Google. I downloaded every single third-party podcast app and looked for the ones that had their own featured section. Mm. So when I got to this point in my thinking, I thought, well, how am I going to pitch myself as a new podcaster again with no audience, no list, nothing to these platforms and actually think that they're going to choose. There's only 20 people featured there. So I, again, went back to where am I going to add value? And this is where the answer is sometimes work harder. (laughs) You know, People like to hear those little tricks and hacks. I decided that for my first 20 episodes, when people were telling a story, I was going to make it immersive. So I got a subscription to Audioblocks, which is only like $100 a year for all these different sound effects and musical tracks. And when somebody would tell a deep story, I would add light music or the sound of the keys throwing on the table when they said they dropped their keys on the table and then he drove away and then you'd hear a car engine. So it was this totally unique experience. It took forever. It took about eight hours per episode, but I knew that I had a hard stop at episode 20. I I knew that if I said I was going to do this forever, I would lose steam. (laughs) But getting through episode 20 seemed doable. That was one of the best things that I could have done because I pitched to several different podcast platforms and I told them an episode that I was proud of for them to listen to, even maybe a timestamp to start at. And they were like, wow, we haven't heard anything like this, especially from a new podcaster. Mm. Where did you come from? We'll feature you. After I did that... I tracked my stats. I looked at where my downloads were coming from, which ones of these were taking off the most. And at that time, I found an app called CastBox, Mm -hmm. which was also the app that I listened to my podcasts on. So it was in alignment. And I noticed that the most downloads were coming from them. They put me in their editor's section. So then I looked at everybody featured in the editor's picks. And 
CastBox actually shows the number of downloads that you have and the number of subscribers you have. Mm -hmm. So I created a spreadsheet with every single person that was featured and wrote down their numbers and calculated the subscriber ratio. And then I tracked that through the next month. I was supposed to be featured for one month. Well, I saw that my show was growing faster than others, probably because it had that immersive experience people weren't used to. Right. And I saw that mine was growing faster and I reached out to my contact that agreed to put me there. Part of this was to build a relationship and part of it was to humble brag a little bit. Like, hey, look, my show is growing. And I kept that contact. I shared about that platform that was helping me out, giving value back on social media as much as I could, tagging them, uh, giving love to them. And because of that, by the end of it, they loved me and they asked me to partner on a deeper level and they helped grow my show for the next few months. Mm -hmm. Again, I was very strategic about this because I thought I will not be able to get sponsorships without somebody else's help during the first six months. So... I negotiated a deal down to just six months. So at that point, I could go off on my own and continue to build. After that 20 episodes of the immersive sound effects, I was a little bit afraid to take it away. I thought maybe people would stop listening. But by then, people already fell in love with me and it wasn't a big deal at all. So nobody said anything actually about that change. I just started doing it a different way. First, I stopped adding sound effects and just a little light music. And then I stopped adding that music. And so it was like a gradual decline. (laughs) I love that. But that, that strategy took a lot of time and effort. But what is more effort putting that many hours into a passion project in the first few months compared to you know, maybe having your podcast for years before you get any traction? It's yeah. a trade-off. And sometimes it takes going in hard to build that momentum and then the momentum sustains itself. Yes. Well, I love that because it's a matter of, you know, where's your biggest bang for your buck? And if you're already putting a lot of time and attention at the front end of a new project, I mean, you might as well go all in because that will garner you more in this case, downloads or, you know, in the case of any other business, like more attention and possibly sales or whatever it is that you're doing. And then now you've leveraged the heck out of that momentum. Exactly. I remember Googling too about like, how do you grow your podcast? And then I realized, well, everyone's going to be doing these. And I still utilize those, the standard things of growing your show through guesting on other people's shows, those are still golden. Those are your main drivers, especially in the long term. But looking for ways that other people aren't doing in anything will give you an edge up. And one thing it reminds me of... So one of the first little attempted growth hacks... I work at a WeWork and there were fires happening in LA to the point that it was hard to breathe outside. So I went to the nearest CVS and bought out all of their smoke masks and sat in a booth at WeWork. And I posted on the WeWork network, free smoke masks on the (laughs) second floor. Come and get them. And then I told people about my podcast. And so (laughs) I got a a few reviews, a few people to listen. Again, it was mostly, I think, building my momentum. But there's something that happens when you start to think outside the box. Not every single one is going to surge your growth, but it's going to start changing the way you think. And it reminds me of when I remember I set this New Year's resolution to be more creative. I was like, I lost my creativity since I was younger. I need to really dive into this. And I thought, I'm going to buy all of my furniture used or from Goodwill and you know, redo it like they do on Pinterest and it's going to look awesome. And I remember scrolling through Pinterest and being like, 
wait, how do people think like this? My brain just doesn't work like this. This is crazy. These are the most creative things ever. And after about two to three projects, all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, if I take the top off this jewelry box and add a tuft, I can make it a little ottoman. And suddenly my brain was thinking in a new way. But you have to start somewhere and be okay that the first few ideas aren't going to really surge that growth. But after a while, you'll have those moments where you're like, wow, I can't believe I came up with that. That was really brilliant. Yes. And it is, it's a muscle. It's an exercise in trying stuff out that's creative and are fun. Like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that would be really fun. You know, it's work and it's fun. So, and it is a muscle. The more you try that stuff and you allow yourself to experiment and see it as an experiment and therefore not give it end all be all meaning if it doesn't like, you know, hit over the fences on the very first go round, like it gets to be really fun. You get to be really good at coming up with those creative ideas. I love that. Yeah, it's great. And really everything about the journey of podcasting is so rewarding and it's also really hard. And so there's such a huge value in deciding what you're going to be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Through that whole time, because I have this mindfulness show and I was teaching people how to you know, stay positive and all these different mind-shifting activities, I was very deliberate also in tracking my wins the whole time, however small they might be. At the end of the day, I wrote down the best things that happened that day. And it's really easy to be starting out and think, hey, well... You know, sometimes people launch and they only have a hundred downloads by the end of the month, and then they're looking on Facebook and these groups and they see, well, this person has 5,000. I must just not be good at this. But if you're finding something to track your progress with anything that you're doing, it's going to be so much easier to keep that momentum within yourself and to keep the positivity and to realize that you've still made progress. This is your journey. You're unique. You're not going to be like anybody else. You don't know where they came from when they launched or what kind of list they had or whatever it might be or what kind of network they've already been building in their own life for however many years. You have to start somewhere and choose to focus on the positive aspects of this new journey instead of all the things that might be bringing you down. Yes. Uh, yes. We could sing about this forever, honestly. Like I call it the wall of wins. Like go create a wall of wins. And you know, when something great happens, go either print it out, take a picture or write it down on a little post-it note and just post it up right next to you. So you, as you keep on moving, as we women entrepreneurs like to do, just always be in motion. Go, 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 go. Stop and actually look at all of the amazing things that you've done, all these great wins that you've had, all the ways that you have impacted al- along this journey. Exactly. I mean, it's really overcoming our brain's natural negativity bias. Mm-hmm. We, it's for our survival. It will automatically go to the negative unless you're consciously steering it otherwise. So I know a lot of people have said like, yeah, but it takes so much work to be positive. We all know that it takes physical fitness to keep our body in shape. And we're conscious about these other areas, but we forget that our brains need that too. It's the mental fitness. It's consciously diverting it in the direction that you want to go with intention and awareness. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I want to end this conversation, which I mean, I feel like we could talk about this for days, but I want to bring this conversation to a close by asking you, what has this meant for you as a business model? In my opinion, there are two ways that you can go about doing a podcast. Well, I guess three. One would be that it's just something fun for you to do. And it's sort of like aside and separate from your business or your work that you do. It's for fun. The second is you're doing it 
deliberately as a marketing channel for an already existing business model that you have. And the third would be that you're launching it with intention for it to become a business for you or to to give birth to something that then allows you to have a business model and then you know it becomes a marketing channel for you. So talk a little bit about what this has meant for a business for you as a businesswoman. Well, I started with number one with the intention to move into number three. So as I said earlier, I didn't quit my job right away. But what I was able to do is have this little side thing that not only uplifted my spirits to put me in a more positive mindset of what I was dealing with in my main job, but also I was able to use that time to see, wait, maybe this could work. Okay. It's three months in. This is sustainable. I can do this. And it was building a lot of confidence within myself. Mm -hmm. Once I did that, then I was able to quit my job. I did have some savings ready for me at that moment. It wasn't taking off right away. But by about the six-month mark, I started to make some sponsorship money because of those strategic partnerships I had been building within my podcast. So I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm scared to make the leap. How am I going to pay for stuff? Start it on the side first. See if you like it. Dip your toe in. I highly recommend that. I mean, I don't think it would have worked for me if I would have just quit immediately because there was so much fear that could have gotten in my way before before I had seen the momentum. So once I launched, I didn't have a business or a list, as I said, or anybody really. I was building from there. So I started Mind Love with the intention of growing an audience pretty large so that then I could sell to them digital courses, possibly coaching, figure it out as I go along, really see what my strengths are. So it was important to me to be checking in with myself on a weekly basis and figure out, well, what do I love about this? What are my favorite parts? What are the parts that I don't like? When I think about launching another channel of revenue, what brings fear in the bad way or the good way and like (laughs) journaling about that so that I can really learn about myself. So there was a lot of self-reflection through the process. And then once I did grow an audience, because I had been so authentic and real, when I did have a course that was like the extra tools, the more guided process of this Mind Love podcast, a lot of people were really excited to jump on. And so now it's just surveying my audience a lot. That was one really helpful thing that I did. If you start to build a list, survey your audience. I developed an email list called The Morning Mind Love that was just to give value. It's daily inspirational messages to remind people of their own worth and their own power and the magic of the universe. So I started to develop a list by that. Another tip when you're developing a list from a podcast, think of how much you can reduce the friction. So one of the things that I did is I found a SaaS service called Textful, which is basically a text a keyword, basically text morning to 444-999 to sign up for the morning mind love. And so those things really help people that are on the go. So think about the ways that you're going to be driving people to your business. Is there a way that you can make it easier for them? Make sure to add a link to the things you really want to send to them in the show notes, obviously. Remind them about that email list in the show notes. So I reduced friction as much as possible and started to build a list pretty early on. Then I was able to send them an email survey, basically saying, how can I tailor my content to you coming up? And I asked an open-ended question. 
the importance about open-ended questions is that when you start to get responses back, you actually take those key phrases that they're using, the exact words that they use, and use those in your emails and your landing pages and your funnels and all of that so that they feel like you're in their head. So I ask them, what is the biggest challenge you face when it comes to your mindset? got all of these different things, realized that so many people were concerned about negative thought habits and falling into old patterns. And that's what I chose to create my first product. And because of that, it sold really, really well. I had a ridiculously high conversion rate with that first course sale. And now I'm just going through that process again, checking in and seeing what I can help them with next. How can I tailor that content? And so because people are really willing to give feedback because they're excited about how what they say, what their needs might influence upcoming episodes, they'll be really candid with you. And then there's other ways to be strategic to find out basically what were your longest responses. Those are going to be your top most engaged or most dedicated listeners or survey respondents. So I actually organized it and found the top responders. And those were the ones that I focused most on because I wanted to attract more people like that. So again, it's being deliberate and intentional when you are starting that business, if you're starting it from nothing. So those are the things that worked for me. I love it. Oh my gosh, there's so much gold in there. (laughs) And I want you to hear listening that... you know This literally... Melissa, this is like step-by-step what could be called like, oh, here's the blueprint for launching a 1 million download podcast. But I want to use your words back by saying there are so many paths of success and so many successful journeys and no one's is exactly like yours. And so I'm going to encourage you literally not to follow this step-by-step, but take what resonates with you. Take what... Oh, that's a really good idea. I could really implement that. Or, or you know, oh, I haven't even thought about that. Oh yeah, let me start thinking about that. And take what works for you and say, yes, this is really good. I can do all this without bringing on the expectation that you need to follow these amazing thoughts and strategies step-by-step. So uh, just such, such good stuff. Melissa, what now, after a year and a half of this process, what now is your intention? What keeps on waking you up to keep working on what you're doing? I like to focus on what I really want my legacy to be. Like, Who am I becoming through this journey? And that's what excites me the most is not only well who I'm becoming and also who I'm connecting with. So the power of podcasting. If you are a podcaster, it's so amazing that you get people to talk to you for an hour or however long your show is when they might never otherwise have had a reason to talk to you. So like, those are some of the wins that I focus on a lot. And then focusing on how I'm changing. What's changed? My speaking abilities changed? How does this change my outlook of my life? What's lighting me up now as I start to see my skills shining through and the growth in me really? And so one thing that was kind of surprising but exciting was... I realized that I forgot that my first idea of starting a podcast began because I thought, I want to get into public speaking. What's going to get me closer to that stage? And so that was my first idea of the podcast. But then the podcast took on a life of its own and I forgot for a few months. Well, then things kept reminding me. I was attracted to this book called Steal the Show, which brought me to this conference, which I ended up enrolling in the most intensive eight-month public speaking program (laughs) in the world. And so, uh, you know, 
continuing my own growth along with the growth of the show has been the most exciting for me. And reminding myself that, yes, I'm creating this thing that's taking on a life of its own, but it's also so directly in line with my life. And so if you can keep your own personal goals in mind and see how this thing that you're creating can help you get there, it's so rewarding and so much fun. And so, yeah, I've been just speaking around as many places I can, hosting workshops on podcasting. And that has been really, really fueling me lately. When I look at my really long-term goals, I think of that as like setting my GPS destination, but checking in as often as possible. It's like when you're thinking about, well, I have nothing right now, but eventually I want a membership site with a million people and blah, blah, blah. If you're always focusing on that, it can be really discouraging because it's easy to get caught up in that gap of how far you have to go until you get there. But if you just kind of remind yourself, you're vision board, whatever you like to do, put that GPS destination in and then focus on just the next step. It's going to be rewarding and valuable in a number of things. First of all, you'll be able to keep more positive and focus more on your progress and your momentum. But at the same time, you'll be more aware of when it might be time to pivot, when the experience is showing you that maybe your original destination might be a few degrees to the left. And you'll be able to stay more in line and more enthusiastic about what you're creating for your own life. I love it. So, so good. Hopefully you are smiling ear to ear right now listening to this and and picking up some ideas of like, yes, I'm going to go do this. Yes, I'm going to go do this. I will circle back around and make sure that you ultimately start or reconnect with those foundational questions to yourself. What do I really love doing? How do I really want to be in this world? And how can I do that? You know, and what are my strengths? I love that. Melissa, I can't thank you enough for being here and for sharing so much about the journey that you've had and that you continue to be on. If you want to, and I would highly recommend you get on Melissa's email list to get her morning mind loves uh, emails, go to mindlove.com and I'll go ahead and put all of the information in the show notes. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It was such a stimulating conversation. I love talking to podcasters. (laughs) 